Pastor Jeff. Good morning, church. I am so excited to be with you, as well as those who are joining online. Welcome. I, I get to share a message this morning that is very dear to my heart. We are in the final week of a message series, I'm In. And I just want to review where we have been. We've been taking a look at four different qualities that I believe God wants us to embrace as his church or as the body of Christ. The first week we took a look at how we are invited. Remember the Gaithers singing this song, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Aren't you glad that you've been invited into the family of God? Then we took a look at how we are invaluable. We value the ministry of the local church because it's the church that God uses as a vehicle to fulfill the great commission. We are part of his church. Reason why we are invaluable is because each of us has a gift and ability that God uses to fulfill that great commission. Last week, Pastor Matt talked about how we are influential as light and as salt. And then he talked about the influence he had on social media with this picture of him watching the Lord of the Rings, whatever that is. I, I have no idea what Lord of the Rings are, but he, he was watching on his day off Lord of the Rings, and he posted this picture after making some lombus bread, and, and he posted it. Before he knew it, it got on the um, uh, Lord of the Rings Facebook fan club that had over 30,000 likes. And a thousand comments and a thousand shares. But can I be honest? I'm not so much impressed with his social media presence as I'm with that he made lombus bread. Whatever that may be. And I'm still wondering, like many of you, what it tastes like. Hey, next week's meet and greet. Forget about the donuts up on the corner. Bring on the lombus bread, Pastor Matt. And let us share in your influence, in your baking skills. And today, I get the subject that we are invested. God wants you to be invested in his kingdom. Imagine with me for a moment, you're walking down this journey called life, and you come to a fork in the road with two signs. To the left, you can take the road to receive blessings. (laughs) Hallelujah. Or you can take the road to the right, a road that leads to being a blessing. Interesting, isn't it, Brenda? Immediately, I thought to myself, 
Give me the road that leads the blessing. Because as I started to think about the road that leads to being a blessing, sometimes the road that leads to being a blessing is a tough road. It's a rocky road. Like we heard last yesterday, men's ministries, what an awesome time we had. And how Dave talked about his opportunity to be a blessing in Celebrate Recovery to so many addicts. But in order for him to be the blessing that he is today, it cost the life of his daughter. First, Second Corinthians chapter 1 says that God is a God of comfort who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others with the comfort we have received. In order to be a blessing, in order to offer comfort, sometimes we have to go through the difficulties of life to receive the comfort from God that we can give to others. And then I started to think, which road would lead to deeper relationships? What road would lead to greater peace? Which road would make me more like Jesus? And all of a sudden I said, you know, the easy road might be the road to receive blessings. But the deeper road is the road to being a blessing. Are you ready this morning? One point. No way, Pastor. You're preaching a one-point message? One theme, one point. With some sub-points. But if you don't get anything else, please snap a shot of this or write it down. God has created us to pour, not store. God has created us to pour, not store. God has created us to invest into his kingdom. Now you might say, well, where do you get this from? From the words of Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, where he says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat and rust destroy them and where thieves break in to steal Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, to quote a, a good friend, evangelist Greg Hubbard, been here many a times. Can I give it to you in plain vanilla? That's what he says. Let me just give it to you in plain vanilla. All of us invest in something. All of us invest in something. Where do you spend most of your time doing? Open your checkbook. Where does most of your money go? We all invest in something. And God 
has created us the poor. There's a story that's been out for a couple weeks now that I just can't. You know how stories just repeat in your mind? A couple weeks ago, one of the players from the Mets, Javier Baez. If you remember the game, the Mets overcame a four-run deficit in the ninth inning. Javier Baez slides into home for the winning one. There's a bench-clearing celebration. And in the midst of that celebration, in the midst of sliding into home, he loses his diamond earring. Anybody remember the story? And they looked for hours for it. No one could find it. I have visited City Field twice to try to get in, to try to find it. They won't let me in. Because the earring is valued over $200,000. And you're like, well, Pastor Jeff, why do you want $200,000? I don't want $200,000. I just want to find that earring, sell it. Because do you realize that earring is worth more than what we gave as a church in missions alone last year? And I'm thinking, what $200,000 could do for the kingdom of God? Think about this. When I say God has created us the poor, not store, remember the very words of Jesus himself? That's quoted in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. It is more blessed to pour than it is to store. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Oh, no, here we go. It's pastor's annual message, a message on giving. The church must be in some financial difficulties. Folks, we are healthier than we ever have before. But I'm obligated. I'm obligated to share this powerful life-transforming principle of biblical giving. My wife was taught this principle as a child of giving a tenth to the Lord. As a child, you know what I was taught? Son, you got to save. You got to work hard, you got to save. You got to store And not poor. And at the age of 16, I received Christ as my personal Savior and Lord. At the age of 17, I was working at the Chester, New Jersey A&P, right across from Larison's Turkey Farm. Remember Larison's Turkey Farm? Right across from Larison's Turkey Farm, Chester A&P. That's where I worked. Started earning a paycheck. Sat in church one Sunday morning. Pastor Bill Wanless talked on the biblical principle of giving, tithing. How you need to take a tenth of what God has given to you and invest it in the kingdom of God through the church. And he would not use the word give. We just invest. Because really God owns everything. And aren't you glad? He said, he said, aren't you glad God's allowed you to keep 90% of what he's given you. And all he does is ask back for 
And that day he preached from Malachi. And I remember looking in my index where the book of Malachi was. I saw it the last book in the Old Testament. He said, Malachi, God used the prophet Malachi to, to correct some wrongs in God's people. There were some problems with worship he had to correct. There were some problems with moral behavior he had to correct. And then the pastor said there was some problems with how God was using the resources that he had given to them. In fact, Malachi was very blunt. Why are you robbing God? Whoa. And the people, how are we robbing God? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse of God that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Now, for those who don't know me, I'm about as competitive as they come. You can just ask Hope. Thursday, Isabella came in to work with her. We were playing Go Fish. I won four times in a row, and I was like, whoop, 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 whoop. You know, and Isabella's just getting mad. She says, we're not stopping until I win. And I wasn't going to let her win. And as far as I know, this is the only place in Scripture where God says, test me. And I sat there, 17 years old, saying, God, I am going to put you to the test. And four and a half decades later, he has never failed me. Come on, say it, and see. Come on, let's say it, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and what pour out so much blessing on you that you will not have room enough to contain it. And the reason why we're not going to have room enough to contain it is because he didn't create us to store. He created us to pour. That as he gives to you, you pour it back. You invest in the kingdom. God created us to Poor, not store. Now, the reason why some people get uncomfortable, get a little uneasy with a message like this is because deep down inside they want to give, but they just don't feel like they have enough to give. And when I say give, I'm not just meaning finances. I'm talking time as well. It's the old when, then. You ever hear that? When, then I'll give, then. When I have enough, then I'll give. When I win the lottery, pastor, then. When I get and receive my inheritance, then. But you know what I've learned? If you're not giving now, you're not going to give then. And I call it the scarcity mindset. Scarcity mindset is, is based upon the principle of fear. That I don't have enough. And when I get enough, 
then I will give. But the problem is, what is enough? There's never enough. No matter how much, it's never enough. And in the Bible, Jesus gives a parable about a man with this exact mindset. In Luke chapter 12, it says, The ground of a certain rich man produced a crop. We call him the rich farmer. Can I ask you a question? Who made him rich? Huh? Who made him rich? He's a farmer. He put seeds into the ground. Whose ground is that? It's God's ground. He's just simply obeying the principle of the harvest, sowing and reaping. I'm sure he's a hard worker. I'm sure he took care of the seed, but he planted. And then, hey, the last, it's up to God for the weather and the rain. And it produced a good crop. Now watch. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. No place to store it. And I don't even think in his mindset he thought about pouring. And the more he thought, he said, hey, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns. I will big bigger barns. And I will store my grain and my goods. And I will have enough to sit back, relax, and enjoy. How many know God's had some harsh words for this man? God had some very harsh words. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. Then who will get what have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for anyone who up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. Now, listen, don't feel guilty for storing. If you have been rich towards God, don't feel bad about storing. But if you're storing and you haven't been rich to God, that's what he's saying. This scarcity mindset is one that is based on fear. I got to keep what I have. I got to guard what I have. I got to protect what I have. I got to store it. But the Bible talks about another mindset. It's the mindset of generosity. And did you know generosity is not an act? We always think of generosity as being an act. But really, generosity is an attitude of the heart. It's a mindset. And let me also remind you something. You don't need to have an overabundance of things to be generous. You don't need an abundance to be generous. Why do I say that? 
Because in God's word, is, there's an awesome illustration about this very principle. I want to share about three churches in Macedonia. The church at Philippi, the church at Thessalonica, and the church at Berea. The Macedonian churches. They got word that the <clears throat> mother church, the church in Jerusalem, there was a famine. And, and there were people in that church that were on the verge of starving because of the famine in, in that area. And I say the mother church because it was from the church in Jerusalem that sent out missionaries to the area of Macedonia. And the churches in Macedonia are so appreciative of that mother church sending missionaries to them, hearing the good news of Jesus Christ, that, that they could not sit by and watch this church struggle and see people starve. And Paul used these churches in Macedonian as an illustration to the church at Corinth. Remember that church at Corinth, that proud, arrogant, self-righteous, always giving Paul problems, church at Corinth. And Paul says to the church at Corinth, and now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of their most severe trials and their overwhelming joy and their extreme poverty, Welled up a rich generosity. The churches in that Macedonian area were being severely persecuted. Where people died for the cause of Christ. People were put in prison. People lost jobs. But in the midst of that trial, in the midst of the persecution, it says there was an overwhelming Joy. It doesn't say an overwhelming happiness because happiness is based on circumstances. I'm sure they weren't very happy at what's taking place, but because they knew who they were, because they had a relationship with Jesus Christ, despite the trials, despite the circumstances, they knew who they were. They knew they were part of the family of God. They knew that they had Jesus, and there was an overwhelming joy in the midst of trials. Scripture says they were extremely poor. They didn't have much. I, would, I just thought of this. It was back in the late 1990s. I was invited to go to the Marshall Islands, which is way out in the Pacific, to speak at the Marshall Islands School of Theology, where Ken and Jerry Jacobs were. We had supported some students there at the theologies uh, college, and they asked they were graduating. They asked me to come out and be their speaker. I spoke. It was a great honor. And then on a Sunday night, they did a community event where 
I spoke to the community. I mean, Marshall Islands only has one road. It's 26 miles. It's just an atoll, the top of a, a volcano. And, and all the people came out. It's probably the largest crowd I ever spoke to. And at the end of that message, at the end of the service, it was probably one of the most humbling times ever in my life where the superintendent of the churches of the Marshall Islands stood and said, we're going to receive an offering for our guest speaker. I mean, these people didn't have. They had nothing. They were poor. And they didn't pass the plate. They gave me a bucket, and I held it. And people came forward and started putting money in that bucket. My goodness gracious. And I sat there, and all that I could think was, don't rob people of a blessing. Don't rob them of a blessing. I, I, I started to really meditate on this verse. And I came up with a mathematical equation. Are you ready? Ready for some simple math? This is what I thought of. Trials plus poverty plus knowing Jesus equals rich generosity. Isn't that what it was saying? Simple math. Trials plus poverty plus knowing Jesus equaled rich generosity. Now, if that is true, which it says it is in Scripture, why is it then good times plus money plus knowing Jesus does not equal enough money even to tithe? Paul says, for I can testify that they gave as much as they were evil and even beyond their ability. Why? Because of the grace of God. Entirely on their own. We didn't force them. We didn't make them. But they had this mindset, this attitude that out of their poverty, they wanted to share the love of God with saints in Jerusalem who were suffingly. And they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing, for the privilege of pouring in this service to the saints. As I thought about this passage of scripture, this is what I came to the conclusion of. And I actually wrote it down, and I want to show it to you because I don't want to misquote myself. Our problem is not so much a lack of resources, but an appropriation of the resources God has given to us. Now listen, I'm talking and preaching to the choir because you guys love to give. God has created us to pour, not store. 
I've told this story a couple of times. And, you know, I, I told Pastor Matt during our huddle today, I thought of something. We were at 55 plus, and in fact, Pete, you were there, and, and you, you said to me, Pastor, do, do all those people go to our church? I go, yeah, they go to our church. Because what happens is you come to first service, other people come to second service, and all of a sudden we get together for a 55 plus lunch and you see people that you've never seen before. And can, I, can I just say, you know what I think would be a good idea every once in a while? Because most visitors come to the second service. Every once in a while, first service visitors, first service people need to visit the second service so you can see all the new faces that are coming out. Yesterday at men's breakfast, we're sitting there, Phil, right? New faces. I, who are some of these men? Well, they come to second service. So there are some people who have never heard this story before. If you heard it, well, just... You know that in March of 1995, when I became the pastor, I can't say I heard the audible voice of God. But I'm telling you, I heard it impressed upon me ever so clear that God said, if you take care of things abroad, I'll take care of things at home. I have a heart for missions. I, have, I value the Great Commission. I value the Great Commission in Matthew 28 of making disciples of all nations. In Mark 16, it says it this way. Go into all the world. I value that. That is a mandate that God has given to us. And I believe that God said, if you take care of things abroad, I'll take care of things at home. If you pour... I'll take care of the storing. And many of you were there that Wednesday night, March 2013, in that annual business meeting when we passed a $1,675,000 building project. Remember that? Unanimous. It was a year and a half later that we started to break the ground for this building you're sitting in. And that didn't just cover the building, but that covered site work and soft costs. The building was about a million alone, and then all the soft costs and and site work that had to be done. And God said, if you pour, I'll take care of the storing. And of that, we had $1.2 million saved. Remember that? And the treasurer said, listen, because we have 1.2 of 1.675, we're not going to take up a building offering. We're not going to take building pledges. We're placing no pressure on you at all. There's no pressure, no building offering, no passing the plate. No, we, we can afford a mortgage. Finally, They agreed to let me hang a little box in the back that you could contribute. And before you know it, contributions started coming in. As the building started going up, contributions came in. We started in September. In December, we were about ready to close it in, and and, and the money just kept pouring in. And I I had this weird thought. (laughs) What I'm about to show you, you can't make up. I said... I want to add up 
from March of 1995 through, Mar- through, through, through 1995 through 2014, all the money our church had given to missions. $1,674,051.22. You take care of things abroad, I'll take care of things at home. And nine months later, when this project was miraculously created, we were under budget. $2,300 short of one6 Miraculous that we were under budget. But what's even more miraculous, when we held our first service in June of 2015, and people walked in this building for the first time, the only indebtedness we had was $60,000. And we had reserves to pay it, but we took the note and paid it off in a couple years. We basically built for cash. Test me. Test me. And God always proves himself faithful. I'm going to end this series with a passage of scripture I used at the very beginning of this series. And Saul, son Jonathan, King Saul, who was chasing down David and trying to kill David. Saul's very son, Jonathan, went to David at Horash when Saul was trying to kill David and helped him find strength in God. When I'm talking about investing in the kingdom, I'm not just talking about investing money, but I'm talking about the investment of yourself, the investment of time. Jonathan was invited to be a part of David's life. Jonathan became invaluable, became influential. Jonathan invested in David's life in a time of despair, in a time of despondency. Jonathan goes to David and says, here, let me help you. Let me invest. Let me pour. Let me help you find strength in the Lord. Today is life group signups. And folks, sometimes it's not walking and signing up to receive a blessing, but it's walking down the road to be a blessing. The life group you may not be interested in, but you join just to be a blessing to someone else. There are different seasons. There are seasons like David where we need to be blessed. But then there are other seasons where we can be a blessing. And it's not about you, but it's being a part of a life group that you can be a blessing to someone else. When you hear of someone else's need, prayer requests, you can support them in prayer. Why? Only one point. Come on, say it. God has created us to pour, not store. Are you invested in his kingdom? 
our life group director, Pastor Matt's coming at this time, and we're going to close this service in praying for the different life groups. Thanks, Pastor Jeff. And what an amazing story to hear of when we invest in the kingdom of God and how he pours out his blessings towards us. And uh, yeah, I'm excited about our different groups as we're talking about being a blessing. That's exactly who our life uh, group leaders are. That's exactly what they want to be in your life. They want to invest in you. And I love what Pastor Jeff said too, that maybe even being part of a group is just so you can be a blessing to someone else. That's what we've talked about. We're, we are designed for community. None of us are meant to do our life alone. And so, uh, you know, I'm excited that we've got 11 different groups this semester. And all throughout a pandemic, you know, we've had close to 20 people step up to lead a group virtually or in person. It's so cool that uh, people really have stepped up to do that in the midst of what's going on. And so, you know, there's... Like Pastor Jeff shared, people being a blessing, meeting needs and prayer requests. So many groups, That's I ask everybody throughout the semester and afterwards, hey, what are some stories? And people say, man, we, we were able to pray together. We were able to meet this need. Uh, Larry and Jackie, they had told me, man, we, we've just got to connect with people that we've known attended our church. But now we've really made personal connections. We've prayed together. We've been there for one another. And so many groups, most of the groups all tell me that. And that's amazing. And also, too, uh, Jeremy shared in, when we were making the video, but he was just talking about there's somebody who has been going to his group that's kind of figuring out faith a little bit, but he led one of the Bible study sessions, and just what a blessing that was for Jeremy, somebody he's uh, led to Christ, now seeing him lead a Bible study discussion. That's awesome. And uh, Lori is stepping up to lead a group as well. She started attending Stephanie's group a year and a half ago, and now she's leading a group walk and talk that Pastor Bonnie started. Uh, that's maybe a great group to be part of. And, and Stephanie's group as well, along with all of our groups, you know, focusing on being a blessing and being invested in the kingdom of God, that we're not just consumers, but all of our groups do some type of group or community service project. And so I love, uh, Stephanie, you're, that you have the connection to the school meeting real needs of families over the last couple, over the last year, really. And so what I want to do is I want to, pray for all of our groups. Again, we've been designed for community, right? Ecclesiastes says that two are better than one because they can help each other succeed. Three are even better because a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And that's exactly what the early church did in Acts 5, 42. It says they kept, they were meeting in the temple in like the large gathering and from house to house in the small gathering Tell, uh, pro- teaching and proclaiming the message that Jesus is Lord. And you know Proverbs 27, as iron sharpens iron, one person sharpens another. So what I want to do, we're going to have all our life group leaders, they're going to go to, oh, well, I'll pray for you guys, but they're going to go to their tables. I won't call them up front. You see them, uh, see what groups are available here on the screen. But I just want to pray for them, and then we're going to let you go. Check out the groups in the cafe, kind of like a job fair. See what ones work for you. Again, we have seven in-person groups We've got three virtual. We even have one hybrid group. So see what works for your schedule. And even though it's a, it's a semester model, it's like eight or so weeks, depends on which group. That means make it a priority. Make it a, a priority to be connected, to be invested in somebody else's life while we're doing this together. So 
So let's pray. God, I thank you so much for today, Lord. Thank you for the message that you put on Pastor Jeff's heart, God, and just so inspired, God, by the story of what you've done in this church, Lord, as you spoke to Pastor Jeff years ago, that if we take care of abroad, God, you'll take care of things at home. And so, God, we're thankful for the tangible ways that you've moved in our church, Lord, and we're excited because you're not done, God. The best is ahead. The best is yet to come, Lord, and what you want to do here, Lord. And so we thank you for the gift of our church. We thank you for the gift of community, Lord, and we pray that uh, connections would be made. God, I pray for your blessing and for your favor over every single life group leader, God, as they're stepping out and leading, Lord God, that you would meet their needs, Lord, and I pray, again, connections would be made, life would be happened together, Lord God, that we could model biblical love and community in each of our groups, Lord God. We're thankful for this time together. We ask that you be with us the rest of today. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, so if you're a life group leader, you can make your way over to one of the tables. And you're dismissed, guys. But check out some groups as you're heading out to the cafe. See what works for your schedule. We've got ones all different days of the week and stuff. But we believe you can't do life alone, that we are better together.